Hello and welcome to our live stream on YouTube on my channel, also showing on our Facebook group, Your Spiritual Journey. But if you want to leave comments, please go over to the YouTube channel and you can find that. Go to my my blog, nwspiritism.com and click on, on the right-hand navigation bar. It will tell you how to get to my YouTube channel. And please subscribe, hit the bell, hit the like button. That will help me immensely. So today, again, on Sundays and Tuesdays, I give a live stream on some topic of spiritism. And on lately on Sundays, I've been going through the book, Violets on the Window, a wonderful book. It's about the spirit Patricia, who died when she was 19 and went to the spirit colony of San Sebastian, which is above the city of San Sebastian in the country of Brazil. And Patricia was raised in the spiritist family, which gave her a leg up. She, she knew what to expect of what the reality of the other side was. She knew she was an immortal soul. And that helps so much. And that's why I'm here talking about spiritism, because in the 1850s, let me show the what was revealed to us. And I have a book on that, so you can download that. You can download that for, for free. It's on PDF. It's Spiritism 101. You go to my, my blog site, nwspiritism.com, and it talks about the basic tenets of Spiritism, gives you a good introductory of Spiritism. It's all free on PDF. And I base that on the, the book, of course, by um, Alan Kardec, who codified Spiritism in the 1850s. And what he did, he was not a medium, but he went to mediums' meetings, and he, he saw that they were pretty, pretty frivolous, and but there were some interesting things going on. So he he got interested in it, and then he had a couple young mediums who were communicating to him from spirits to him, and they said, "No, you're here for a reason, and now this is going to get serious." And so what he did, he went back and he uh, created a a list of questions, one thousand and nineteen questions. And what he did, he did not say, okay, you medium, give me the answer and I'll write it down. He was very scientific. He didn't even believe in mediumship until all this started happening and these weird things were occurring. And he gave the same question to different mediums who did not know about each other. And he only used the answers if they were similar or exactly the same. And this all happened in the 1850s. This made just a big you know, impression upon Europe and America. And, uh, of course, what happened is a big backlash by the Catholic and the Protestant churches that really tried their best to stamp out spiritism at the time. But it continued, and it then flourished, and it really started rising up again in the 20th century, the early 20th century, with uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Menezes, and then in Chico Xavier, Francisco C. Xavier, who was born in early 1900s, and he lived till 2002. So he was, you know, a very instrumental, just a famous medium, just amazing mediumistic powers, wrote many, many books. And I talk about his books, and I use a lot of his books as source material as I'm compiling my books, as far as I have, like, uh, The Case for Reincarnation, Explore Your Destiny, uh, the Seven Tenets of Spiritism. And I also use the Reverend G. Val Owen talking about my books, uh, in Heaven and Below, Spirits and Spirit Universe, and How We Are Guided by Spirits. And this book really is telling us 
is what's been revealed to us is the reality of our world. And this is what most people don't understand. Most people go through our world and they believe, they believe that they are in this materialistic universe and they live and, and they struggle and they die and that's it. Now, many people are more spiritually active and they believe they go to heaven. Now, what exactly is that heaven? What happens at that heaven? What they, what they do and who are, who are they? Do they retain themselves? Those are all a bit fuzzy. And yet, Spiritism gives us very detailed answers. And in this book, Violet's on the Window, it really, Patricia tells, okay, this is what happened when she died. This is what happens when she went to the Spirit Center. Uh, the spirit colony, San Sebastian. And now she's talking to, in this chapter, she's going back to a spiritus center on earth. Now I have been to spirit spiritus centers and not the ones you went to, I'm sure. Uh, but I've been to other spiritus centers in Brazil and I've been to a couple just in Rio de Janeiro. And I've been lucky enough to be uh, there during mediums meeting. Now I'm not a medium. I get to sit, on the back of the wall and I listen and I keep my mouth shut and I try to keep my thoughts very positive, right? Because that's why they train mediums for so long in Brazil, because you have to get on the same, same mental wavelength, be positive because you are really struggling to communicate with this other world. Just like a diver, you know, if, a, if someone's underwater and trying to speak, man, you know, I don't know if, as kids, you, you know, you try to speak and, and you can, you know, I wonder what he said exactly. It's the same thing. You really have to be disciplined in order to communicate with the other side. So let's start on um, Violet's on the window. And this is her chapter when she's talking about at the spirit, just center. One more time, please subscribe and hit, hit the, uh, the like button if you can. So Patricia starts, when the session was about to begin, Mauricio came to give me. Now, Mauricio's been kind of like her helper during her whole time that she's been into this, into the San Sebastian uh, Spiritist Colony. I should just say not Spiritist Colony, just Colony. And it's probably right at the very lowest level of heaven. And it's kind of get people used to it and see how they are and train them. I've talked a lot about uh what they do at that colony and other other Sundays. And I have all this and I have actually a playlist, Violets on the Window playlist that you can look at on my YouTube channel. So you can go right from the start if you missed anything. So so he said, we went to the main room and sat down on the right side where the people were entering. So she came down from San Sebastian Colony and went to the physical spirit center. Now, the Spiritus Center is probably just a building, maybe one or two stories. Like, let's say the one I went to Rio, the Sierra Fraternal Spiritus Center. It has two stories, and it's just a very simple building. It's in a kind of a crowded section, right? It's in the city. And, uh, you know, there's this rooms. There's a big room for people to meet, and there's smaller rooms for mediums meetings. And there's a room for selling books, and there's a room for, uh, you know, uh, cooking, cooking things and like a little craft center. So there's, you know, it's a kind of a typical like religious center. So 
So this is where she was at. Now, but now that you have to think about this, the physical world, this is where spiritism really tries to help you look at the universe that you live in in a different manner. You look at the physical world and you see things and that's what they are. Now, when you go on the other side, at that spiritual center that she is at, it could have a huge auditorium. It could have huge halls. And he talks about in the last chapter, he talked about gardens outside of it, which of course a physical human cannot see in that, in their, you know, in their, their dense body, in that dense world that we call the physical earth, this campus called earth. But when you're in a, a universe where thought is action, and logically, people can create, you know, something out of nothing by their thoughts. The spiritual center has a lot of rooms around it for spirits. Has a, it has um, kind of like a guard, like a, an energy field around it. So, you know, immature, spiritually immature spirits can't come and disturb people because I've seen this at other spiritual centers. Once I've been that, where spirits will come in there and. And, you know, they are kind of sarcastic and mean to the mediums because, you know, they don't like the fact that they believe in in God and Jesus and look to the path of the light. Now, those people were let in so they could be talked to and given a chance. But if there wasn't a kind of a force field around that, you'd have all sorts of spirits around there causing chaos and havoc. Now, this is this sounds strange. I know to many people, but we live and it, it's kind of like we swim through a sea of spirits. On this planet Earth, there are spirits all around us. We can't see them, right? Spiritism tells us we can only see about one eighth of what's around us. We live in this, uh, we live in this, you know, world with blinders on. Just the same reason that horses have blinders on to keep us focused on what we're supposed to do. Which, what, what are we supposed to do here? We're supposed to go through the trials and tribulations that have been assigned to us, and learn from them and become better people rip out primitive emotions and replace them with better emotions. So let me get to the story. So we sat down on the right side where people were entering. This particular area had been reserved for visiting discarnates. We sat on chairs that had been materialized out of cosmic energy and placed above the material floor and not on the chairs used by the incarnates. So picture, picture the floor. And this is like I've been, there's a table and there's chairs around the table. There may be chairs around the, the wall surrounding the table, like, like I was on. I was a visitor. But you may have six or eight mediums during this medium's meeting. And, you know, there's what, nine, nine foot ceilings. And it looks like a regular room. But to a discarnate, to Patricia, there, there was above that, there was picture no ceiling. You know, it, it's kind of like we've you seen pictures of uh, surgeries for for uh, medical schools, where they have in the center they have you know kind of a protected area to do surgeries, but then all around it there were bleachers, right, and people around it. That's how it is, and of course he says that you know chairs were materialized. All this stuff was created by thought. Patricia is telling you that the world you're going to is more fantastic than anything you've read in fantasy or science fiction books, where you have the ability to create with your mind. That's more, it's a lot more complex than that. And I'll get into that in, at different times. And I talk about that in my books. So 
I'll carry on. I knew all the people there, and it was a pleasure to see them again. Mentally, I said a prayer for them, a prayer of gratitude this time for all the prayers they sent my way. Now, I like to say is that Patricia was uh, her father, and I think I'll talk about him later, actually went and was one of the directors, I believe, of the Spiritual Center, and she was there as an incarnate many, many times. In fact, when she died, when she was 19, she had many prayers from the people at the Spiritual Center who were praying for her and saying, okay, you know, you can do well there. So I carry on. There were many discarnates bustling about. Some were workers, others were visitors like me, and there were those who would be going through orientation. The latter group stood in lines formed by the center's workers, aiming to keep everything organized. I saw the young man who had talked to me before. When I looked at him, he was staring at me. He waved his hand and Mauricio smiled, noticing my embarrassment. Once again, I did not know what to do. The young man continued to wave, so I waved back a little bye. He seemed content. I moved behind Mauricio, so he would not see me anymore. So why'd she say that? Well, in the previous chapter, she was at the Spiritus Center, and this young, uh, he was still in the body of a young man. He died when he was pretty young, like Patricia was, and he was discarded. He was dead. Of course, he wasn't sure he was dead, and then he finally got to the Spiritus Center, and they, and they helped him. And he tried to pick up on Patricia. And of course, you know, Patricia, like, you know, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm not really into that. I've been in the spirits, you know, she's, she's just not. It, it, when you're in the spirit world, you lose that, you lose those like two great pleasures that people have on earth, right? Which is, uh, you know, the, the physical affection, sex, and, and eating you don't really need to eat and you don't really miss that other thing because there's so many other things more important it's not like oh you can't have that you know it's a sin it no it's 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 not needed and it, it just it's just like when you're when you're uh doing something that you're really intent or you're watching a movie that you really love and you're into you don't think about the other stuff that's the way it is in the spirit world it's just it's just plummets in your priority because you have this this love and and good feeling all around you and you don't need that little the little spot of self-pleasure uh like you do on earth so so then she said an incarnate incarnate man introduced himself and asked about a personal matter that was worrying him he was accompanied by a discarnate who was visibly dominating him. To us discarnate, it was obvious that this gentleman possessed the gift of mediumship. We're all free to decide on whatever we want. We have our free will. Those who desire can frequent spirit to centers and only those who want to work usefully utilize their mediumistic powers. This is what Marie Scholl is telling her. Sensitive persons need the support obtained from the presence of their discarnate friends. That is the reason mediums usually need to go to spiritual centers. These discarnate mentors are good spirits who help us in our daily lives. They counsel and protect the sensitive person against perturbation from hooligans and needy spirits. There are a lot of those out there. In order for this protection to exist, these guides, who are spirits aspiring to grow and work for the light, make a conditional on the medium's participation in the work. 
If the medium decides not to cooperate and help, that's all right. The spirit guide continues alone, working and helping. They don't just stop because the incarnated person doesn't want to work. They just won't help him. The spirit is ready to help the medium, but it wants him or her as a partner so that both can work and grow together. When they work at spiritual centers, both learn in advance so they can help discarnates and incarnates as well. So, what is saying is, and this is really information for uh, people who think they are mediums or have mediumistic ability, is to be a medium doesn't mean you just sit down on a Ouija board and try to say, talk to spirits. That is, and, and I get a lot of questions from people who are religious to say, you know, well, you know, we're told not to talk to spirits because they're all demons. Well, first of all, what I say is, well, the Bible is full of talking to spirits. They call them angels. And angels, who are angels, right? Of course, now, and a lot of people in, in different religions think angels were created by God as angels. No, Spiritism tells us, because I respect anyone who feels differently, Spiritism tells us that we are angels. We Angels are people that have gone through many, many lives and have ascended in the spiritual hierarchy. So these are people that have taken out these negative emotions, have learned love, charity, fraternity. So those are the high angels, right? Those are the ones that come and help us. And also then other comes and help us that are lower than that. And they're spirits, they're good spirits, they're mature spirits, and they're trying to help. And therefore, a spirit will come and help someone who is a medium. Now, for that to happen to a medium, first, it's much better for anyone who's a medium. I know this is hard in the English-speaking world. There are not that many spirit dissenters. But if you do have one, go to a spirit center and see if they have mediums classes. If not, then see if you can talk to other people. Then you should get together and study from the Book of Mediums by Alan Kardec. Um, in the Domain of Mediumship by Chico Xavier, Francisco C. Xavier, and start studying that work. Study spiritism, understand what spirits are, understand the different levels of spirits, because just as these other religions say, you shouldn't talk to spirits, there is, it, it's a good piece of advice in a certain extent, because there are many, many frivolous, ill-intentioned spirits out there who will try and fool mediums, and uh, the work works by Alan Kardec is full of examples of that so and, and they're saying is um, they need to have a good medium really needs to have support from the spirit world and, and in order to have support you need to have study and try and be spiritually as good as possible yourself you don't have to be a saint or anything like that but you need to be calm and cool you need to try to decrease the amount of negative emotions decrease the amount of stress in your life study spiritism, study spirituality, read the Bible, you know, whatever you can to get you into that calm, cool, loving manner and where you can sit there and you can accept. But of course, you don't want to accept these communications really unless you really have a good help. That's why if you're interested in becoming a medium, you should meditate like the same time every, every you know, once a week, like seven o'clock on Tuesdays, right? and meditate open your heart and then you'll attend you will attract i should say a hopefully a higher spirit that might take you know a month a couple months 
and then you know let them know that this is the time you're there and then you can start trying to talk to them because they will protect you against other spirits who are not as mature and you know do not have good intentions so let me carry on so and then patricia uh, and then it's keeps writing when mediums don't attend spiritual centers and consequently don't have the support of a good discarnate souls they suffer the effects of harmful negative energies they either learn how to get rid of these destructive energies through study and research or they go and work with good discarnates helping others we should all strive to transform ourselves and help in the transformation of others so that someday all of us can be happy Mediums don't have to go to a spiritist center. Rather, they need to find ways to learn to help and be helped. In the final analysis, there's no better place than a spiritist center for that purpose. So then, she says, an incarnate who was a regular at the center, wishing to learn more, asked my father. So her father was there, and she was listening to him. She asked, that person asked her father this question. Now, the both these are incarnates, people on earth. Can we learn from the persecution we sustain from ignorant discarnates? Is it right to always try to get away from them? I've seen many people coming here, having their problems resolved, and never coming back. So my then Patricia wrote, my father thought quickly and said, many people come to spiritual centers to ask for help in order to get rid of enemies, as if they were going to a store to buy an item for their comfort. Other goes to centers thinking that they are doing its busy workers a favor, and they expect quick solutions. Incarnates who act this way don't realize that if there's something wrong with them or their well-being, it has only happened due to their own imprudence. They think they're suffering because of someone else's errors, a typical selfish behavior. They think they didn't do anything wrong and that God, by alleviating their troubles, would be doing nothing more than his obligation. Once they are helped, they forget completely what happened and revert to their old ways. So let me stop there. And he's absolutely correct, right? Um, people, people will come to spiritual centers or they'll go to mediums and they go, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm being persecuted or, or I, I feel this way and, and I need help. And then that person will take time to find out, you know, what kind of spirit is trying to communicate to them if there is, right? It could be a mental problem. People should always go to their doctor if they think they're having some sort of mental issues. But a lot of course a lot of those mental issues are spirits trying to impose upon you so that but they think if they can just stop that right you know stop that spirit bothering them or some other thing that has to do with the spirit world in the relation to it then everything's fine in reality everything that happens to you and when let's say spirits are trying to bother you or whatever it's mostly because there's always exceptions so i want to say it's because you have done something to them in some previous life. I would say, not all the time, but the majority of times, if some spirit is actually trying to harm another a incarnate person, it's because they're trying to get their own revenge. And that's when you really need to study and understand spiritism, understand spirits, ask for forgiveness, help others, because that person and what will happen, and if you, you know, if you pray and you ask for help, better spirits will come and talk to that spirit and say, look, it's not up to you to get your own personal revenge. Karma and subsequent lies of lives will take care of that. You're, all you're doing by trying to hurt that person 
is you're retarding your own advancement. You're stopping your own spiritual uh, ascendancy. So you're just you're really hurting yourself and you're not really doing what needs to be done. I know you're thinking you're teaching that person a lesson. That lesson will be taught. There's karma and reincarnation. That person will, will, will learn from what they've done wrong in the past. And, of course, I never see this part. What, what I would say, probably would be wrong my point, but I would say, look, you're trying to get revenge on that person what they did to you. If you look back in your life, the reason they did that to you is because you did that to somebody else. There's, everything's connected. So don't think that, oh, my God, I'm an innocent victim, as most of us do, right? We, I have news for everybody and, and myself. We are not innocent victims. When something happens to us, it's usually, not always, it's usually because we did something similar or on the, along the same lines to somebody else in some past life. So if someone does something bad to you, don't hate them. Just think, oh, okay. And just think of them as an actor in a play that was assigned a part and they did it. So, and the other thing is, let me give you another example. Exorcisms, right? So you have these you have these points where you know people think that they're uh, they're um, obsessed by spirits, which may be, and then a priest comes in there and does an exorcism. Well, spiritism tells us the spirits just laugh at this. That doesn't do anything. There's no there's no thing about holy water or the cross. Unfortunately. The cross is a great symbol, and it does mean something. And it actually means something in the spirit world. The symbols do mean something. But it's not going to stop a spirit from trying to harm someone else. What's going to stop a spirit from trying to harm someone else is that person being obsessed, trying to raise your spirituality or help from other spirits. You know, wrote prayers and and water and whatever is not going to do the job so it's and it's also going to be a not a short process it's going to be a long process to stop anything like this happening in fact there are hospitals psychiatry hospitals in brazil that does this they they use typical psychoanalysts and um, analysis i should say with medication many times, right? They use the, the normal. And then they also will go in mediums meeting and find out, is there a root cause, spiritually root cause to this problem? And in fact, that's why I always think that alcoholics anonymous, right? That is that they're, you know, they, they have a pretty good track record because they don't just say, oh, I can't drink. They have to, they bring in the spirituality and they bring in people and they bring in one of the steps, right? You go and you ask for forgiveness, what you've done to other people. And you try to become more spiritual. You try to come, become a better person. And becoming a better person, that's what makes other spirits kind of, you know, stop bothering you. Because they don't want to be around someone who is boring and not doing what they want to do. They'll, they'll kind of withdraw from that. So, let me carry on with what Patricia's father said. Others, however, seek help when they encounter the evil influence from troubled discarnates. Yes, it's right to seek help. And once help, they stop and think about what happened. Two things call their attention first. First, their inner toil prior to the relief and then the relief itself. 
they will understand that something subtle, invisible to material sense organs, acts, sometimes harming, sometimes helping. Based on this understanding, they start their own transformation on the road to better themselves. Many incarnate workers at spiritual centers, when helping people in need, start being persecuted by vile spirits who might attack them. But instead of feeling like martyrs of the light, benefactors of their fellow human beings, they use the moral whipping as a way to uplift themselves. In my case, when a disturbed entity is not pressuring me, I miss it because the negative pressure they, on, they exert on me keeps me on guard with my thoughts, attitudes, and actions in order not to suffer these inferior influences. I solidify my attitude in the proper use of the things of God and nature. To some, difficulties mean punishment. To others, they mean opportunities and encouragement to work on their own self-improvement. So Patricia's father is just is quite brilliant. And, and he is so right. He says when disturbed energy, okay, so let me put it this way. You're walking down a park, right? And you see someone, you see someone like maybe like leave their purse or cell phone or something on a picnic table. And a thought comes in your mind and you're a good person. A thought comes in your mind like, go, oh, go steal that purse, go steal that cell phone, right? No one's going to see, there's nobody around. Now, if you're basically a good person and you don't usually think that way, why do you think that? Because another spirit is giving you bad thoughts. They want to see you do something bad because misery loves company, right? These low spirits want you to be at their same level. They don't want people on a higher level. They are jealous, unfortunately, of that. So that's why whenever these thoughts come into your mind, they may not be your thoughts, but they're implanted into you by these spirits. Now, these low spirits can't ever force you to do anything. Your free will cannot be violated, but they can give you dumb suggestions. So watch what you have to do is you think through your conscience and go, oh, that's stealing. I'm not going to do that. That's a stupid idea. And that is, but that is actually is a good thing, right? It's a, why is it a good thing? Why am I saying having having spirits giving you bad thoughts is good, just like Patricia's father said, because it makes you aware of these bad thoughts. It makes you aware of your conscience, and it makes you aware of filtering everything through your conscience and then cutting it off right there. It's not, you know, it's unlike when we were teenagers, right? We are experts in rationalizing uh, how to ignore our conscience. Hopefully, as we get older, we learn that the way for uh, having less stress in the world is to follow our conscience. In fact, I have a, uh, a book on that, which I, is How to Live um, Inner Peace Through Spiritism, which is helps you go through, and it's like 24 steps, and it's all based upon uh, the steps by Henri Luis of things you should do to help you ascend spiritually. And I take these short, you know, sentences, stanzas, and I say, this is what Henri Luis probably meant. I don't know exactly. And this is how you can achieve it. So what was really is good about what Patricia's father said is that you, you hear these things and then you don't act on them. And then you're 
you're, you're doing two things. You're instilling a habit of checking with your conscience and you're rewiring your brain to think good thoughts and not negative thoughts. The same way when you are, uh, you know, with other people or you're by yourself and then, then there's some thoughts and you're like, oh, I'm horrible, I'm ugly, I'm a failure, all those things. That is a most probably a spirit trying to trying to really make you depressed. Now, what what have been told in the books, you know, by spiritist mediums, is spirits will take your negative thoughts, and then they'll have other spirits around you, and they'll take that negative thought, they'll amplify it and put it back into you. So if you're depressed, they're going to do their best not all the time, right? This could be just natural to get that depression even worse by giving your, your, you know, your thoughts of something negative and they're going to try and amplify it with a negative feedback loop, right? And try to make you feel even worse. And that's where you really have to know that, oh, that's not me thinking that. These people are trying to test me. Then you have to say, well, look, God bless all of you all around me that I can't see. God bless you. I hope you do well. But I'm not going to let that happen to me. And thank you for giving me a, uh, a way to exercise listening to my own conscience and to filter out bad thoughts. Another thing is to do if that really is hard for you, you know, is to stop that is when you get these negative feedback loops, go do something else. Go do something physical and get your mind off of that. Uh, you really need to use every trick in your, you know, every tool in your toolbox, they say, is sometimes that, that happens because people, you know, depression is real and it's not easy to get out of. And, um, you know, if you find professional help, but also try to help yourself too, right? Try to do everything you can. So then I'll, I'll keep reading. Then a young lady asked another question. Is all suffering a release of debts from the past, or do we suffer also for other reasons? Then her father said, usually we suffer in order to pay debts from the past, but not always. There is no question that today is the consequence of yesterday, the same way that today is the cause of tomorrow. If my circumstances are adverse today, and if I'm aware that I can change them, then these adversities become less harsh. We'll always have opposition. Let's remember that our giant spiritual genius, Jesus of Nazareth said, come to me all of you who are burdened and I will alleviate you. Every difficulty becomes punishment or martyrdom for the un individual unsatisfied with God has given him. Conversely, all difficulties turn into opportunities for improvement for the one who tries to understand, serve and love God. Now that is wonderful advice. When, you know, it's like turning lemonade, it's like turning lemons into lemonade. If you can have that attitude and know that, oh, something bad happened to me. I got to analyze this. What did I, what did I do in my uh, previous life to do that? Okay. Oh, I better not do that again. Right. Thank you. And, you know, have that attitude. It sounds kind of corny, but it's so effective. And, and, it's easier to, you know, it's the way I say it, I'm sure for people who, who haven't really studied spiritism, it sounds artificial. It sounds like, oh yeah, you can have that stupid attitude. But 
once you really understand spiritism and you study it and you comprehend and you feel it in your heart that you're not you're not here to accumulate you know yachts and mansions or become you know the ceo or a billionaire that's so unimportant you're here just for this short little time in your immortal life you're here to improve yourself spiritually and everyone else who concentrates on doing anything that is completely materialistic that doesn't mean you you don't you can't you know doesn't mean you have to give all that up you have to take care of yourself and your family but if, if that's like the highest priority in the world and you violate your own conscience to get what you want materialist in you know material that is actually putting you it's parking you it's, it's stopping you from ascending it's stopping you from what the real job of, of you have on earth that is to rip out the primitive emotions and replace them with advanced and that's why he says every difficulty becomes punishment for the individual unsatisfied with God has given to him. If you are satisfied that, okay, I'm here, I got a low level job, you know, I'm not making that much money, but I understand I'm here on this earth to go through these trials and tribulations. And I'm going to learn and see what I can do and help my attitude, my character become better. And so then he says, let me give you a very common example in our, in our current daily lives. It's normal for a dirty person to wash, to try and cleanse him or herself. For many, however, a bath is a sacrifice. Some enjoy being clean, others enjoy being dirty. For the individual used to cleanliness, filth is a punishment. For others, it doesn't make any difference since they enjoy being dirty. Those who dislike it, yet find themselves dirty, become upset. Our errors and vices are like dirt. It is necessary to try and cleanse oneself in order to feel clean. But sometimes one wishes to be clean without leaving aside the things that cause one to feel dirty. This struggle to cleanse ourselves often brings us suffering. It's like the alcoholic enjoys drinking but doesn't like the hangover. He or she wants the hangover to be taken away, but wants to continue drinking. Many people behave similarly when they seek spirit descenders trying through magnetic passes to eliminate the upsetting hangover of their errors, yet also want to continue with their vices. This conflict is the cause of much of our suffering. Truer words have never been spoken. We want to do what we want to do, no matter what the, you know. But when the consequences hurt, we want those consequences to be alleviated. But in our deep in our hearts and our conscience, we know we are the cause of, of those, right? We got the consequences because of our action. There is, you know, for every action, there is a reaction. So that is what we have to take. This is hopefully what spiritism and just meditation and seeking guidance from your from your guardian angel will help you. It's like, look, please concentrate on what's causing your problem the cause of your problem you may think it's always external but it always most always not all the time but most probably had an internal beginning it may be a past life right but it had an internal beginning and that problem and i wrote a book that's called the problem is the solution that problem is there for you to analyze what is happening to you and to 
and to then alleviate it by changing your behavior. Because that is why we go through all of this. It's all about stimuli coming at us in order, us, in order for us to make the decision to change our behavior. And hopefully we change our behavior and that becomes a habit for a new level of better behavior. But then she said, my father then read the parable, the workers in the vineyard, and explained, most of us accept the divine invitation to improve spiritually during phases of our lives. Now, the workers in the vineyard, if you remember real quickly, that is when people came um, to work at different hours of the day and those who came really late were paid the same as those who worked longer. So, <clears throat> I'll repeat what I just said. So most of us accept the divine, this is what our father said, invitation to improve spiritually during different phases of our lives, considered as work at first. We have faith and try to observe divine precepts and laws. These laws improve human relationships on a day-to-day -day basis. Those who devote themselves to this improvement are, according to the parable, the salaried. Those believers in divine kindness and protection dedicate their lives to the practice of the fraternity, so the solidarity and love prescribed by their faith as the foundation which will ease the arrival of a new era. An era when mankind will stop killing and exploiting each other and being selfish. They work unwaveringly in this way of living, motivated by Jesus' promise that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus always used material symbols, instilling them with great spiritual meaning. This vineyard symbolizes the cosmos, and the cosmos is God's house. We are all called to participate freely in this communal life, not in a narrow and selfish way, but in a complete and unconditional manner. The fact is that we are children of this cosmos, and as such we should behave accordingly. But while an awareness of this affiliation doesn't occur within the individual, we are delaying for more or less time our conscious participation in this universal sympathy. As in the parable, we can divide into eras the various times we place ourselves at the service of the divinity living and sharing his vineyard. But in this cosmic document, what this parable really is, we still see our opposing purposes among those who serve our Lord. Within the context of the word, those who are called working and serving the Lord. But the motivation differs between them. That is the reason for complaints from those who have been serving the longest. The selfish personality, which only works expecting benefits, payments, or positions of grandeur, measures whatever it expects to receive, be it payments or benefits, by the extent of the effort exerted in the service of his Lord. This virtuous person still doesn't see him or herself as a divine heir. This Lord is still something apart, not a part of one's intimate nature. So the payment expected is a function of the deprivation from idleness, sensations, and pleasures that one undergoes. Valuation is still contingent on the comparison between the individual and other fellow human beings. This person is still a slave of time and space of much and little of debits and credits. Although a practitioner of virtues, he is not yet born again. Others with a greater understanding ability no longer work comparing or expecting payment, be it in the form of possessions, pleasures, or awards, and not even as a function of spiritual ranking. So, he has so much wisdom. And, Pay attention to when he says we're part of that divine 
cosmos, right? And the virtuous person still doesn't see him or herself as divine here. So a person can be virtuous and they think, and they think of themselves still though in their physical context. And this is what he's getting to. You can be a very good person, but you're still thinking in the material context of what you exist in this culture today. In this culture today, if you're not as successful as your neighbor, if you're not making as much as your neighbor, then you are a little bit jealous. You may not even for a virtuous person, you're not even jealous, but you're like, well, why aren't I making this, right? You're a little envious. Instead, right? And this is what our culture is that, well, you should not be satisfied with what you have. You should always try to get more no matter what it takes, right? Be aggressive and stop all, you know, stamp all over people. Well, no. When you understand you're a member of this collective cosmos and we're all spirits together who are immortal and here to help each other, someone being superior to you in wealth, material goods, hourly payment, right? Fine. That's okay. It means absolutely nothing to you because everyone is on earth doing their own little thing. And then even in when you are in the spirit world, when someone who is rewarded or ascended into one of the levels of heaven, you say, ha, oh, you've done that by your work. The only, you know, the only thing you should self-analyze is, okay, how can I be like that person? How can I achieve what they achieve by what am I doing? What am I not doing enough of? What am I doing wrong? What do I need? What training more do I need? If I want to be like that person, what do I need to do to be like that person? And But I bless that person for, for being uh, raised up in the spiritual hierarchy because that means they're doing more good. They're helping more people. They have more power, more opportunity to help people. And that's where we're all here because in the spirit world, when you pass over, you don't take any wealth, right? It's not like the tombs in ancient Egypt where they would put, you know, they put, you know, mummified cats and dogs and they, you know, gold and jewels. And all. here's some wealth for you in the spirit world. You, you take nothing. The only thing you take is your modified character and personality. Now, the good news is when you do go over, you are who you are, right? If you're a really nice person, you're a really nice person in the spirit world. If you're kind of a mean and sarcastic loner type person, you're still that type of person in the spirit world. It's up to you to change your own personality. You do, you do not all of a sudden become angelic when you pass over. That's why Earth is such a good place. That's why we have to come to this physical world, this, this simulation that is completely different because we can't, in our mind, change things around us because we're in this objective world. And it's there because that way it holds us in place while our emotions are, are bombarded and it makes us think about our emotions and makes us transform our emotions and feelings and racial sanation thought processes to be better. That's why we're here. That's why just help other people. Because the more you help other people, you're already you're already training yourself to help other people in the spirit world. So you're already ahead. And then he says, it talks about this person is still a slave of time and space. And of course, and of much of little, and of debits and credits. All it, so, so 
there is no time in the spirit world. There's like states, right? There's no time. You don't grow older, right? Buildings don't decay. Trees don't grow old and die. You don't grow old and die. You don't get sick. And space, right? So space is there is infinite in the spirit world and it's actually even infinite in small places because you can create more space out of nothing by changing uh universal fluid and as far as like distance what they what spirits tell us that there's the concept of distance isn't really the same it's really in the spirit world it's presence or absence if i'm in let's say the san sebastian colony and i want to go to earth it's not like, okay, well, I've got to go 100,000 miles, and I'll be there. It'll take me a while, but I'll be there. No, you you think it's called volatation. Now, you can go slow where you can see the change of states as you go, or you can change your state to be in the state of Earth at a certain city. And you'll be connected with that parameters and those data points. That's why... There is not really, that's what he's talking about, space, right? Time and space, it's different of much and little. Well, there is there is anything you need. You create things with your own thoughts. There is no little. There's efficient use of time. Yes. Debits and credits, right? He's talking about wealth. So that's why those things, this is why it's so tough here on Earth, right? For us to really become into the real spiritual thinking is we've got to we've got to like shield ourselves from this popular culture, which tells us the exact opposite of how we should behave when we want to spiritually ascend. Right? It tells us we need to strive for more. We need to buy more. We need to be selfish. We need to you know work hard, but then we got to spend money. Right? No. We we need to. Really look at ourselves, look at other people with love and caring. Do what we can. It doesn't mean you have to be pushovers, but do what you can. So anyway, I'll carry on. So they know they are children of the Lord. And so everything belonging to the Father also belongs to them. Also, everything that is there has always belonged to the Father. They labor for the joy of it. Because the only guarantee of perfection is an activity is the need for it to be done with satisfaction. Let me stop there. Another good thing. So what, what really derives a great pleasure? And that's in the spirit world. You have work, right? It's not eternal leisure. But the work you do and you have free will, you, you, you do the work. You find the work that just excites you. Just like I was saying before, where you're not thinking about eating or those other pleasures because you're into something so intellectually exciting that it, it, you just love it. And this is what they are here is, is the, the satisfaction is in service, is in the work and the service of others. And he's, then he's talking about these people more materialistic. He says their attitudes are perennial since they care for the things that belong to them. They're the chosen ones. Notice that in the parable, those who arrived first wanted to receive more than the others. As we said, they were still concerned with quantity and social standing. The others did not care for payment because they enjoyed working in the vineyards of the Father, simply because it was also theirs. These two classes of persons work in the vineyard simultaneously, but they're very different from one another. 
The Lord's compensation comes based on this difference. To the selfish, God gives as payment success in the physical and mental plane in the form of material possession, social position, physical and mental satisfaction. To the detached from material concerns, God gives peace, love, and joy and everlasting happiness, which are not dependent on either time and space, too much or too little, but rather on a state of being. There, the beloved children of the Lord alluded so many times by children. So what would you rather have? You know, is would you rather have this wonderful house that you're going to be enjoy for the next 20 years? And then as you get older and you won't even be able to get up the stairs and when you die, it's all gone. Or do you want to have you want to have this bliss and this happiness in whatever circumstances you are in? Because that house you loved or that painting or whatever is is going to go away. Right. Even if you're in the spirit, I can't tell you how many spirits are still tied to the earth because they feel tied to that piece of material good that they love, like the house or there's uh, stories in the museums about a piano or pictures that people just love. And these spirits are still associated with that picture because they're just tied to it. That's why you got to let go of the tethers of materialism. You, you know, as I said before, you got to work and, you know, make sure you're fed, not a burden on anyone, help your family say for the future, all that, but it can't be the complete driver of your life. So now carry on what he said. Those in the square were just waiting to be called to serve. The lazy ones did not even come to the square looking for work. They represent the ones who do not worry at their stage in the evolutionary cycle about developing the talents all human beings have in an embryonic stage. They no longer will be employed because the current cycle is finished they'll have to restart in another place or world. As you know, it has been 2,000 years since Jesus of Nazareth made the invitation. It's up to us to participate or not in this vineyard, to work expecting payment or not. It is in our hands to build here and now a new earth and a new heaven. All we have to want, all we have to do is to want it. So let's get to work. So that is in order to, that's, that's the end. So, that is what was said by her father. Now, so I hope this helps. I hope this helps us understand a little bit of the spirit world and how we are part of this logical construct. And we are, in, we are these encapsulated personalities, these wonderful, intelligent beings who exist for in, immortality in the spirit world and in the physical world, then we come back life after life. Who knows what you were in previous lives, right? I tell people who've had, you know, talk about past life regression. I say, well, be careful because most of the times you're not going to, you're not this wonderful, benevolent prince or princess. You're probably some rotten type person and who did bad things. And you're going through what you're going through now because of what you've done before. So if you're doing a past life regression, uh, this you know, expect to see bad things. In fact, one guy talked to me and he said he had his past life regression and he saw like he was a Native American, right? And he saw like time after time, like he going, you know, walking through a creek and then someone killed him with an arrow. Another one, he was a, a woman and you know, trying to escape. And, and again, he was hacked to death, right? And he goes, hi, I can't believe how many times I died. And I go, well, 
I go, you, you probably didn't go that far back, but you probably didn't see why you deserved to die like that. He goes, no, I, yeah, yeah, he goes, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Wonderful person, but yes. So that is, you know, that's, that, that's what happens. And so the, therefore, you know, all this stuff, we're here on earth. It's like you talk to your kids. I'm sending you to school for your own benefit. I don't like school. It's too hard. Uh, that's what life is like for a lot of people. I don't like my life. I can't tell you how many people say to me, I don't want to be reincarnated. My life is horrible. And I tell you, well, if you want your life to be better, uh, do as well as you can in this life. But you have free will. You don't have to be reincarnated. You can go to the spirit world and stay there as long as you like. What will happen, though, is you'll see other spirits learning and improving themselves. And you go, oh, okay, I got to do that. I got to make some fundamental changes to my character, my personality. I do need to go back to Earth. I have things I have to learn. That was probably what's going to happen. So anyway, I want to say thank you for everyone for being with me tonight. Uh, please check out my books on my, on my blog. And again, as I said, I have Spiritism 101, and that is free on PDF, which I would, you know, just go to H, um, HTTP and www.spiritism.com. And on the right-hand side, you can see, uh, it says download Spiritism 101 in PDF. It's free. Also have it in French. Some wonderful person uh, translated it uh, for me. So if you have someone who's French-speaking, tell them to go to the site they can find Spiritism 101. I've also had my other book, The Problem is the Solution. Now that's available on Kindle, uh, paperback, and on Audible. So is Spiritism 101 is available on Audible and Kindle and paperback if you want it that way. That will cost you, but it's also on PDF. But um, The Problem is the Solution also is on Audible, but I also have it translated in French, and that's available just for French speakers, unfortunately, uh, because this person translated for free and said, well, I don't know if it's good enough to sell. And of course, no, I, it's up to you. So I just posted it. That's also available in French on my site. So it's amazing how many people found it already. So hopefully they're finding it and they will enjoy it. So again, I want to wish everyone uh, a happiness, I want to say God bless everyone. And remember, we're here every Sunday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. God bless.